The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Check out ProFootballTalk.com right now for the latest football morning in America from Peter King. Among others, he spoke to Aaron Rodgers at training camp, and Rodgers admitted to him, last year at this time, I was looking at the season as my last year in Green Bay. And I hadn't heard him say that before, Chris. Maybe you have. But the idea that he entered camp last year viewing it as his last season. Now, I think he thought, the decision was going to be made by others. He right. said before he threw a wrench into certain plans and now he's back, but the mindset, and now we know why he said what he said after they lost to the Buccaneers in the NFC championship. Right. And we freaked out rightfully. So he thought it was over. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, it's the first time I've heard him say that too, but like, I think we both heard from enough credible people you know, yeah, you know, even after that and after the NFC Championship game and all those type of things, I think he was led to believe he could he could tr- get traded or go where he wanted and they would trade him and do that type of thing. So still weird and dysfunction up there and everything like that. And honestly, it, I really appreciate, you know, Rodgers kind of letting us in on all this stuff, opening up the curtain again. And again, as he does it, I just say it doesn't make Green Bay look good. It doesn't. And it does, you know, put a little bit more, I guess, behind Rodgers and what he has said in the past that, like you said, we thought was maybe cryptic, where there was some real meaning behind it that he knew stuff we didn't. But look, this played out exactly the way that we thought it would. I want to stop here just for a moment because it's so rare that we nail one. We believed he was going to show up, give it one more go. And Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, don't go near the practice field without a helmet and a cup because he's not happy with you, and it's clear he's not happy with them. He has quotes to Peter King that make it obvious he's compartmentalizing that. He doesn't have to deal with Brian Gutekunst. 
when he's in the locker room, when he's on the football field, when he's dealing with coaching staff and teammates. So he's fine with the fact that that relationship may not be where he wants it to be. But Goody, stay, stay in the corner office. Stay away from the practice field. Let Aaron Rodgers do his thing. And what happens in 2022 happens in 2022. And there's still a good chance he won't be there. But he's back for at least one more run. Yeah, no, he's back for one more run. We'll see what they got. It's still going to be the most fascinating story of the year. And, you know, I know he's not. we're not going to see him in preseason. But uh, we're all going to be evaluating his play as the year goes on because that's, I think, what's going to determine whether he's there or not. If he plays awesome, I have a hard time thinking he won't be there. Unless he really just goes crazy. If he just plays okay or the results of the team aren't what everybody wants or expected, maybe they finally do just say, okay, finally, let's all move on and go from there. So it's going to be fun to watch. We move on to superlatives, training camp slash preseason edition. Chris, you have the honors. Okay, I think I'm going to start out. I'm going to start out there. Love what I saw. Love what I saw. Okay, with Jordan Love. I am. It was a good start. For a guy who didn't get to play preseason football last year or dress, dress at all, like Jordan Love, here's the one thing I was worried about. That, one, he wouldn't know where to go with the ball. Two, that he wouldn't have control of the football in general. You know, was it perfect? No, it wasn't. But the one thing you saw from Jordan Love is he didn't look like a deer in the headlights. And the other thing I saw is some throws and some potential in his arm and his throws to go, damn, that looked pretty good right here, like this post down the middle. I mean, come on. That's as good as it gets. Perfect spiral, great accuracy. You know, the ball wasn't on the money perfect all the time, but he threw a lot of catchable balls, and that to me was what I worried about. I know other people who have evaluated and seen love even up in Green Bay was with, with the ball spray everywhere. So I love what I saw from that aspect. This stuff, this is what he's got to get better at. His pocket presence, knowing when to step up or get out of harm's way to make a better throw or have a cleaner pocket was not very good, and he has to improve on that. But I think overall, Green Bay has got to be somewhat excited about what they saw from Love, and it's something they can build on in a, in a positive positive direction. And this is what they need to have happen if they are going to move on from Aaron Rodgers after the season. And in a weird sort of way, it's in Rodgers' interest for Jordan Love to develop right? to the point where the Packers can say, okay, fine, we'll trade you. Because, Chris, you and I both heard you know, the other side of the coin. Rodgers led to believe he was going to be traded until Matt LaFleur says at the front office, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not Jordan ready. Love's not ready. Right. He's not ready. Right. You can't trade Aaron Rodgers. Yes, uh, you know, that is. That's the other aspect of this. And, yeah, I would think that's part of, like, the agreement Rodgers came to even with, you know, not playing in the preseason and things like that. Yeah, go ahead. Get the guy ready. He's probably going, man, come on, Jordan Love. Show some progress, you know. Give them a little confidence so I can get the hell out of here when the year's over and all of that. I, I don't doubt that at all, and, and, and hopefully that – you know, I'm rooting for Jordan Love, not in the sense because you know I love Aaron Rodgers, but I am rooting for Jordan Love and just the fact that he's been put in the most, you know, tough situation I've ever seen a young rookie quarterback put in. I mean, it doesn't really get any tougher than this. I mean, it, it's, it's up there with, with any situation I can ever think of, and I feel bad for him that way, and I, I want him to overcome it. I remember we said this back in May. He's the only party in this – awkward drama that played out May, June, and into late July, who has no blame whatsoever. He didn't choose to go to Green Bay. He got drafted there, and he's stuck in the middle of this mess between the front office and Aaron Rodgers, and the coaching staff is caught in the middle. The fans are caught in the middle. But the one guy who had no say in being in this 
in this drama right. is Jordan Love. So I agree with you. I want to see him develop. And and look, the front the front office. This, this is the the core of the concern and the tension between Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst. The front office knows at a certain point you got to move on from the older players. Rodgers wants to keep his buddies around at the expense of developing the young players. That's where they got off kilter and you know whether it was a communications thing or he feels like he's not being respected when he tries to articulate his voice that's where this all started and that's why they now need Jordan Love to step up so Aaron Rodgers can move on moving on to one thing I saw Thursday night and it it you know sometimes these moments happen so quickly you almost don't even realize they happened but putting the chase in chase is what I saw when Chase Young, exp- I don't even want to say exploded. It, it was a little. I don't bit, know. Though. I don't know what the word is he for it. And ripped PF- that guy. Yeah. PFT commenters suggested, and this is the best explanation I've seen for it, that he teleported through the left tackle <laughs> en route to Cam Newton right. early in that Thursday night game. But it said to me, and here it is, third and eight play. Look, it's just. He's just Ooh. on top of Newton. Newton doesn't even have a chance. <laughs> and it's just a glimpse, I think, of what we're going to see yeah. all year long from Chase Young. And Oh, by the way, Montez Sweat's on the other side. <laughs> right. This Washington defense oh. has the potential to be very, very special if Young stays healthy and keeps playing like he did in limited action on Thursday night. No, no doubt. I mean, he just, he's, just, he's special. He pops just the way he looks, everything like that. And, like, you're right. Oh, geez, Montez Sweat's on the other side. Oh, geez, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen are on the inside. Two of the better defensive tackles in all of football. But, like, I'm with you, Mike. The Chase Young thing, I think what excites me there is because, like, you and I know and, you know, anybody who watches football knows he's a freaky athlete. But what you saw there was the combination of freaky athlete, oh, who now has another pass rush move in his repertoire and is getting a chance to learn and grow as a pass rusher. And if he puts that all together, I mean, watch out. I mean, he's special, and that D-line's special, and that was uh, certainly a special move by him right there hitting Cam Newton. And he explained that after the game on Thursday, the idea that he has spent time in the offseason learning different moves. Ron Rivera praised him. He's not just relying upon athletic ability. He's learning the nuances, the setup. You know, we, we've talked to great pass rushers over the years. They, th- there's, a, there's a game within a game that goes on between them and the tackle, and they set the tackle up, and they make the, think, make the tackle think they're going one way. They're going to do one move, and they right. do a different move, and it, and it, and it works. And I, I, just, I have a feeling that, that we're going to be talking a lot about Chase Young this year, and he's he's in the running in my mind. I know you're a big Miles Garrett guy. Chase Chase Young's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year if he stays healthy all season long. Yeah, I don't I don't doubt that though. I think your thoughts right there all the way because they are one of those teams that's like you feel like they're going to win a few games because of their defense. You know, they are the kind of front four that's going to make a few plays to put points on the board, whether they score themselves or set up the offense. And those are the kind of guys that can win defensive MVP. So. I'm with you. That that's that's a good one for sure. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, all right. I don't know where I want to go here. I kind of want to give. All right, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go locked and loaded here. Locked and loaded, just because of what I saw from Drew Locke against your Minnesota Vikings the other day. That crap show, what you guys called the preseason game up in Minnesota. You mean against the third string defense? <laughs> I know that that yes, performance. I know. But either way, uh, either way, I mean, the, to me. What Drew Locke, first off, 
just looks better, looks in shape. But the way the ball flew off of his arm, uh, off of his hand, and then when you talk about some of those receivers and people they have there, man, I just have a hard time unless Drew Locke screws this up, thinking he won't be the starter in Denver because he's the guy that can maximize all these guys they got that run four three at wide receiver. And that was kind of cool to see the other day. It was cool to see him come out. We know he's put in the work in the offseason. Peyton Manning, all that. He's under the microscope. They brought Teddy Bridgewater. They're not totally sold on Drew Locke. He came out guns a-blazing uh, against your Vikings. And I know it was, yeah, second and third stringers. But nonetheless, it looked like the real deal. And that's always a, a good sign and good start. You know, one thing that I, I addressed recently and I don't know if we did this last Wednesday when we did our hiatus edition but I see Locke is having the higher ceiling and Teddy Bridgewater having the higher floor right so you go with Locke you go with Locke and you see what he can do can he stay healthy injuries have been an issue can he stay consistent and effective if not you have a guy who is kind of a safe reasonable I hate to say game manager but that's what Teddy Bridgewater's always been but he does it well he does it well I mean, a quarterback does manage the game. Locke's more the gunslinger. So if it doesn't work with Locke, you have a fallback where you're not going to fall off all that much. And yeah. I think that that probably is the way it plays out. No, I, I would think so, too. You're right. I mean, Teddy's safe. You know, yeah, he's like you, we've talked about a million times. He's not going to win games, but he's not going to lose games. And that's cool. That's cool. That's fine and dandy. There's no doubt. But you have to have a certain team – and its style of play, and maybe even a certain division to play that style of football. And I'm just not sure the AFC West is that style of division. You know, I just don't look at it and go, you know, oh, yeah, Teddy, Teddy driving them down to kick a field goal is going to beat Mahomes and Justin Herbert and company. No, it's not. It's going to have to be, I think, you know, lasers into the end zone to Cortland Sutton or K.J. Hamler or Jerry Judy or something like that. And that's where Drew Locke, I think, can deliver. So we'll see. It's certainly going to be interesting because Denver, I think you and I both agree, are one of those teams that we would say watch out for. There's some potential there, you know, on their roster. It's just, yeah, can they get that quarterback situation figured out to where, you know, they can really be the team they want to be? And, you know, you reminded me of a mindset that the Broncos developed post the emergence of Patrick Mahomes. It's not we're going to try to come up with a crippling defense that can beat Mahomes. It's we're going to fight fire with fire and we're going to beef up our offense. Drew Locke is more conducive right, to that. Right. The the way the Broncos have been built, you want Drew Locke to be the starter. You want Drew Locke to be the gunslinger. You want Drew Locke to be matching Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. Otherwise, your quarterback situation is by far the worst in the division, and you've got no chance to turn around right. a franchise that has fallen off dramatically since winning Super Bowl 50. So I think it is Locke. And they've said there's no separation yet. I think this is all about testing Locke, pushing Locke, Agreed. trying to get Locke to be the guy that they thought he was when they made him, I think, what, pick 42 Somewhere in, there, in 2019. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we're on the same page with that. Next one for me, where can I go here? we got a lot of different... All right. I, I want to I mention this, because... This is the Captain Obvious Award that goes to the Seattle Seahawks. The trophy they get for, surprise, surprise, the holdout that they have fallen into oh, man. with safety Jamal Adams. Oof. Hey, and, and I, I have not liked at all the idea of giving up multiple first-round picks for a player who's in the window for a second contract and not getting him to agree to the second contract at the moment, you give up the picks because if you don't do that, you give the guy even more leverage 
for the negotiations to come. So here we are, three weeks into camp, one preseason game in. Jamal Adams, like several other players throughout the league, holding in. They're there. They're not practicing. There's no end in sight. Well, the Seahawks, I'm told, have gotten exasperated with Jamal Adams. They think they've made him a more than fair offer. They think he should take it. And their mindset right now is there isn't going to be a long-term deal. We're going to go year to year. You're in your fifth-year option. We'll use the franchise tag next year. We'll use the franchise tag the year after. It's about $38 million in all that it'll make over three years. We'll just do it one year at a time. And the problem with that from the player's perspective is he's constantly carrying the risk Definitely. of injury, the risk of his game completely falling apart. Right. All because he doesn't want to accept this long-term offer. And the Seahawks are beside themselves. Look, the Jets were beside themselves with Jamal Adams. He's a great player. He's the best safety in football. But you get to a point where you just can't reason with him. Yeah. And the Seahawks have gotten there, and they should have known they were going to get here when they did this deal last year without giving him a new contract. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky situation. And you're right. I mean, we all knew that Jamal Adams would be this the, the, no, could be the type of guy that you could be in this situation with uh, to a degree. There's no doubt. We've talked about it, you know. But you know, Seattle's got to do what they got to do here. And I don't know exactly what the offer is or what Jamal Adams is expecting or anything like that. But at some point, he's going to have to take into the reality of going, wait. I play a kamikaze style of football. I was hurt a little last year. I've been hurt here and there in other parts of the year. Do I really want to risk this? We've talked about his dad's career ending because of injury on my the New York Giants team. At some point, that's where, I mean, again, I don't know. And I'm never going to get mad at a player for wanting money. Like you said, he's the best safety in football. But I, just from the outside looking in, it seems like he's trying to blow the safety market out of, you know, out of the water. At least that's the few things I've heard. And that's probably what's making Seattle feel uncomfortable. And I don't know where this goes, but it just doesn't seem like any middle ground's kind of in sight right now. You know, we talked about this last week as it relates to Lamar Jackson and my suggestion that the Ravens should make their their last best offer and it's on the table yeah. and it's on the table all year long. And if you want it, you can have it. With the only caveat being... If you get injured, obviously, the offer gets revisited. I think the Seahawks need to do the same thing with Jamal Adams. Here it is, $17.5 million a year, $38 to $40 million guaranteed at signing. Here it is. You can have it anytime you want it, but with the understanding you get injured, it's off the table because he's far more likely to have a close call than Lamar Jackson. And all it takes is one day, one impulse, one moment where he says, I want to be done with this. Get, give me the contract and let me sign it. That that may be what the Seahawks do. Let the offer sit, and and it's either you take it or $9.86 million this year, franchise tag next year, franchise tag the year after. Yeah, no, I know. That's that's risky. Uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine that he's going to like that or love that in any in any way, you know, but yeah. I, I mean, they think he'll still play. They think he'll be mad. Right. He'll be upset. Right. But he'll still show up and play. Right. I mean, you know, and I'm just like hey, the, the highest paid, highest paid safety in football right now, Justin Simmons, right? 15.2 per year average salary, got 32 guaranteed at signing. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't, what is being asked for? That's just, that's where it, it's, I don't know what that answer is, but obviously it's significantly higher than that because. I would think that Seattle would have no bones or any issue with him being the highest paid guy. Um, but, 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and they need them. That's the other thing, too. It's a defense that's kind of trying to change their culture around and become a good defense once again and kind of got that going a little bit at the end of last year. To not have him would be a huge blow for their scheme and their team and everything about it. This is where the business gets in the way because the franchise tag isn't based on the five highest paid defensive players in football. It's based on your position, and safety is not one of the highest paid positions right. In football. So they can look at it and say $9.86 million, we can do that. Next year, about $13 million for the franchise tag. Hell, that's a bargain. bargain. 20% raise over that. $16 million in 2023. That's a bargain, too. And we have the flexibility of walking away, letting him become a free agent if all of a sudden he suffers a serious injury and he's rehabbing and he's not the same guy because he does play with that aggressive style. So everything favors the Seahawks here. But still... Is he looking you for give Darius up first Leonard, round picks? Kurt Warner, I mean, uh, you know, Fred Warner type money, Mike. You I, think? I, he wants seventeen. Well, I think he would take the seventeen and a half million if they restructure the guarantees in a way that that ensures he's going to get more money. He wants more guaranteed. He wants it paid out faster. I think that's the key. How much of that full and complete risk are they going to take off of the plate of Jamal Adams? And it doesn't feel like they're all that far apart. So my position is, hey Seahawks, you knew what you were getting yourselves into. When you traded for the guy, just do what you have to do to make him happy because you knew or you should have known he's a guy that may not be all that easy to make happy. Right. So you better make him happy if you're going to give up all those draft picks to put him on your team. So yeah. we'll see if it, yeah. they can work that out. You got any other superlatives? Um, uh, You know, I mean, I, yeah, I had one more. If you want me to hit it, you got a time. You Let's do, do it. it. Do it. I mean, let's do it. I want to be like, uh, you know, old man rookie award goes to Mac Jones. Like it just. I don't know. For a rookie, he just doesn't seem like a rookie. And again, out of all the first-round quarterbacks, maybe he was the least physically impressive, right? I mean, yeah, his athleticism, his arm doesn't pop like some of the other guys. But damn, like playing the position does. I mean, every ball is just perfectly placed on rhythm, on time, you know, perfect read, those type of things. Had a beautiful go ball down the left sideline where the receiver just ran out of bounds. If he ran straight, he's going to catch a touchdown. I don't know what the guy was doing, but he made just some some high-level throws where you just go, I mean, damn. I mean, here, in between the linebacker window, safety flying down, put perfect spot so the receiver can protect his body. You know, never is, like, overly aggressive here. Just playing smart football. You know, just... It was very Tom Brady in New England-like. Oh, okay, coach, you want me to do this? All right, oh, a little pressure? No per no problem. I'll throw it perfectly in the right spot on third and three. You know, that to me was just really impressive for a young quarterback. Not that it's like wowing, but it's wowing in the sense that he does things that, you know, five-year veterans do uh, already as a starting quarterback. There was something in the way that he moved, the way that he made his reads, right. the way that he got rid of the football quickly yeah. that spoke to a level of confidence yeah. that the typical rookie does not ooze. He right. oozed that sense of confidence. And, you know, Chris, I don't know what they did in the equipment room in New England, but, you know, one of the criticisms of Mac Jones is he doesn't look like a football player. Right. He's all lumpy in his uniform. He looks like Bobby Lane. Like he doesn't look athletic. Like he should be smoking a cigarette on the sideline. He, 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 I he know. doesn't look that way in his new England uniform. He looks like he belongs. I, he does. He does. He looks like he belongs. And, and again, I think a lot of those things we're talking about, the look and all those things led to some of the negative talk about him in the draft process to people who were like, wait, this guy who looks like this, you're going to pick him over him. 
You know, yeah, okay. You know, sometimes you got to get over that. The results are what they are on the field. And again, I mean, just it's an early start, but it looks like it's going right in the direction it was when he was in Alabama, which is he understands the offense. He has charisma and confidence and cockiness and a right way about him. And he knows where to go with the ball and take coaching and do all the quarterbacky things at such a high level. It makes up for maybe a little lack of talent that, you know, some of the other guys might have over him. You know, we, we've got plenty of other good topics we can get to. We're running short of time and we have shows all week now so we can actually delve into some subjects later but I do have to mention this because this is a guy whose name in the past when uttered would trigger a fine but somebody typed in here Tim Tebow so the the and and look I I don't want to clown the guy any more than everyone else is for the block that he made as a tight end on Saturday night but it it I mean it and and you know I saw somebody argue it was effective. He screened the guy away from the runner. Yeah. You don't have to blow the guy up. No, you, you don't. know. Uh, but but I think what's more impressive than the I, the, I think it's the, the way it pro looked wrestling, too. It it looked like a it looked like a a pro wrestling move. But then he gets up and he puts his helmet in the teammate's stomach. I, exactly. So that's where it is. Uh, yeah, right. That that was the thing that really took it next level for the night. Sixteen snaps for Tebow. One target. No catches. There was a ball he would have had a chance to catch, but Tavon Austin (laughs) snagged it as it was coming to Tebow. I felt bad for Tebow. And I think the key number, Chris, is this. Zero special teams plays for Tebow. They had six tight ends on Saturday night. Tebow is the only one who did not have at least one special teams play. That's not how you make the bottom of the roster, folks. you got to be a special teams contributor. The fact that the special teams coordinator did not use him does not bode well for his chance to make the team. Agreed, agreed. I mean, I think the number of snaps, you know, hey, just, you know, yeah, just my look, and again, not that I studied that game through and through, but, yeah, I would think that the way it looks right now, it, it doesn't look real positive for him to be on the team. But we'll see. Maybe he improves and does those type of things. But it's a big adjustment. Like we were always saying, I don't care if you were the SEC player of the year of the Heisman. It was that quarterback. You know, having the ball in your hand, running through a hole, and then hitting somebody is different than firing off the ball and going, wait, I have to block this 280-pound defense end in front of me? and knock him out of the way, it's a whole different skill set, frame of mind, type of athlete, everything, and that's where, you know, it's it's a tough adjustment. 16-man practice squad is going to be used again this year. I still think he lands on that. Also, the COVID protocols allowing practice squad players to be called up up to 90 minutes before kickoff to replace guys who may be positive. I think that's how we're going to see him this year. Practice squad and maybe once or twice throughout the season, he'll sneak onto the game day lineup, make it onto the 48-man roster, get onto the field, and uh, whether it's 85 or 15, I think we're going to see him at some point in the regular season. Let's take a break. When we return, Dak Prescott's shoulder is fine, unless it isn't. No reason for Cowboys fans to panic, unless there is. We'll try to figure that all out next year on PFT Live. Dak Prescott, MRI on the shoulder that was strained earlier in camp. The circumstances, unusual, lat muscle involved, trainers from baseball teams being consulted to help 
solve the problem, which shows you how rare this injury is from a football right. standpoint. Oh, they already have the expertise in-house to figure out how to do it, Chris. They're saying that the shoulder strain is healing. Everything is fine. But he's missing practice reps. He's missing preseason reps. He's four weeks away from the first game of the season. And I know he's got an urgency to get on the field and reestablish himself. They got to rein that in and they got to let this thing heal or he's going to have a new set of problems in 2021. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's not the type of thing you want to mess around with and like, you know, push along and be like, hey, let's let's push him out there and get him going. No, because if he re-aggravates this or pulls it again, he could end up missing weeks and weeks into the NFL regular season. But at the same time, like you said, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's um, – you know, Southwest Louisiana Eastern State, they're playing the first game. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They need to be hitting yeah, a lot of directions there, which was trying to make my point of that it was not a very good school, right? But this is the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Super Bowl champs. <laughs> the, 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 the roster is loaded, and we know that the Cowboys defense is not going to be great. They need that offense to go, and Prescott needs to be hitting on all cylinders for them to have a chance to win that game and be real competitive. So that's where it's a fine line, and like we talked about last week, I'm going to be interested to see where this goes. Very rare injury to have for a thrower in the NFL, a lat pull. Yeah, and you're right. They play before anyone else. It's just 24 days away for that first game of the season, the Thursday night, September 9 kickoff game on NBC, and it's Dak Prescott or Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush, and uh, it's a big drop. From big drop. A, a bigger drop than last year. At least they had Andy Dalton last right. year. They don't have him this year. They need to be thinking about bringing somebody in in the event that this Prescott thing lingers, and who knows. The one good thing about the Cowboys, though, I will say this. I think they got something in Micah Parsons. Oh, they're first round pick what? I, think, I think I think they got I think they got somebody that's going to make that defense better. No doubt about that. I mean, a hundred percent. Two preseason games, and he is like the guy on the team that you look and go, I don't know anything about their team or some of these rookies, but that guy in the middle wearing 11 is on a different level than everybody else right now. There's no doubt. I'm with you. They got to be pumped about Micah Parsons. Lots of things in the preseason don't matter. Today's draft, when we return, the things from the preseason that do matter. We'll do that next year on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. 
Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. No. This is a great question because I'm a firm believer of no, they don't. Hell yeah. Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. Bro, no way. Why, yeah. Absolutely not. It does. It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pineapple on pizza. Only bacon. Hell yeah. Myself. <laughs> Absolutely not. No way. I'm going to pineapple on pizza. I'm going to say yes. Uh, yes. Pineapple hey, do go on pizza. No, I see this one coming yeah, out. Yeah, they dope. do, bro. No, they do not. Don't trash <laughs> on the garbage. <laughs> yes. Hashtag no. No. That's a barbecue sauce. Mm. Yes, it does. Oh, one bit. No, you crazy if you think so. Yeah, I see so how it is. Oh. You got a food to do TikTok. You got to do a review. Anything you like, bro. Sweet, savory, whatever. Got the impression it's about 70% no for the Jets who came through the door to answer the question of whether or not pineapple belongs on pizza. I've never had pineapple on pizza but i will say this i had grilled pineapple last week and it's it's really good it it really is so maybe it would be good on pizza you're not gonna see me that what i mean what fruit on pizza like get the hell out of here with that there's no way i'm ever eating that there's no way no way i first off i'm not eating you know pineapple. you know tomatoes are fruit you know tomatoes i, are fruit. I know but it's like a fake fruit it's not really most people don't even realize it is a fruit but i know i can't i can't do it there's just something about i can't do fruit in general for the most part but I don't want pineapple smushy gooey on my pizza. I, I don't want that. But it doesn't get that way when it, 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 it when it's grilled. It, it it doesn't like melt into nothing. It's it's actually got a nice consistency to it. I may have to try it. I don't, okay. I don't know. I can't believe whether the local already. pizza parlors put pineapple on pizza. But I'm going to have to explore that. All right. Question for you. Trivia question to determine the first pick in the draft of the preseason things that matter. Pepperoni is the most popular pizza topping in america what chris sims is number two well it's gotta i mean i'm gonna say sausage it's gotta be sausage or bacon yeah it's gotta be one of the two i mean we're americans it's like well cheese and bread that's not good enough we gotta put gotta have meat some bacon and red meat to have a full-fledged heart attack here <laughs> uh, we can't that's just <laughs> half acid <laughs> I, I will i will say this i will say this i had my annual physical Right after we started our hiatus, cholesterol up a little bit, diet cleaned up dramatically, cheese gone, ice cream gone, pizza limited, wow. red meat limited. Good. Trying to extend my remaining Please. years so yeah. you have to deal with me as long as possible. Yeah, you're my work wife. I want to work with you for a while. Come on, man. Keep it going. All right. You got it right. First pick. Preseason stuff that matters. What do you got? Okay. I think the, um, you know, I, I'm going to go to this one. Here we go. Dwayne Haskins with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That matters. Dwayne Haskins, rookie first-round bust, right, with the Washington football team. What I've seen in two preseason games is a guy I'd say, watch out. Watch out. It's looked impressive both times. And last week against the Eagles on Thursday night or Friday night, whatever night that was, man, did he make some unbelievable plays and throws. He looks different. He's handling himself different. I just can't help to think that, like, you know, we knew he had talent, but he got with Mike Tomlin. And Mike Tomlin giving him, like, here, this is yeah, – welcome to man school here in Pittsburgh. And this is how you play quarterback and act like a man and be a professional. And I just feel like it's all falling in place for Dwayne Haskins to where 
maybe he's not the backup right away, but he's got a chance to be the future here in Pittsburgh, and he's certainly got more talent than Mason Rudolph. That matters. Who to do me. we compare him to? Who do we compare him to prior to the Big Ben draft? Right, Big yep. Ben. There's some of that, and there's no doubt. And he's cleaned up some things mechanically. He's thrown the ball really well. It's been good decision making. Like I just felt like it needed to be pointed out, and that's why I had to go with that. It was my first my first pick in the draft. When Washington cut him, there was an avalanche of criticism. Why'd you draft him? Why'd you draft him? Well, somebody would have drafted him in round one. Somebody would have. Right. So this is a a steal of all steals if the Steelers can make this into a successor to Big Ben type of a situation with Dwayne Haskins. And it would almost make up for when they had Johnny Unitas and cut him and he was playing for the Bloomfield Rams before he ended up with the then Baltimore Colts. All right, for me, look, this is easy. This is easy. What matters in the preseason are the injuries because the injuries don't care whether it's a preseason game, regular season game, Super Bowl, they don't care. And that's the one thing that every fan, coach, executive, owner, everybody is holding their breath for. Is there going to be an injury suffered by a key contributor who doesn't need to be out here competing for a job in the preseason? That's the one thing that matters above all else, making sure you get your top 35 guys who you already know are going to be on the team unscathed through the preseason. Oh, it's what it's the number one thing. I mean, that's why you're seeing teams like the Rams and McVeigh on. I'm not playing my guys the hell with that. I'm not rolling, rolling the dice. Yeah. Maybe we won't be at our hundred percent best, you know, in week one, cause guys didn't play a lot, but at least it's going to be my hundred percent best players on the roster out there. And that's, it's a it's a fine line. It really is. I can understand, you know, both sides of that argument. There's no doubt. Uh, it's very important. You're right. It's 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 a game changer. It's a season changer when you see a team lose a, a big time player or two on their roster. No doubt. Um, all right. You know, I'm going to go to something you brought up a little bit at the end of last segment, just because they were both on the same field, and to me, just absolutely popped with the way they look. Like, right? You want your rookies to look like, especially your first round picks. Like one thing I've heard like some great GMs in time say like, man, that first day we get on the field, I want to make sure my first round pick looks better than my fourth round pick or I know I've screwed up and things like that. I mean, those two linebackers I saw in the Cowboys Cardinals game, you know, I know they didn't play a ton, but Michael Parsons, as you brought up last segment, he just jumps. I don't I haven't seen a better rookie defensive player out there yet this year. I mean, just it, it's he looks like he's already one of the best linebackers in football. And then Zayvon Collins, you know, his first game the other day, it was kind of the same thing as Micah Parsons. It just pops on the screen. You just go, man, he's around the ball all the time. Who is this big dude running sideline to sideline, smashing people? You know, those are things that matter in preseason. The evaluation of rookies, do they look the part, especially your first rounders? Can they contribute right away? And that's one of the main things I look at, you know, as we go along here. But I thought, you know, those are two that really impressed me. People are going to wonder why Zayvon Collins lasted as long as he did. There's some Brian Urlacher comparisons, the versatility that he has, the athleticism that he has. He could be a special addition to the Arizona Cardinals defense. For me, what matters in the preseason? Officiating. And I'm going to take that as broadly as possible. You got to get the folks on the field in shape. They didn't have the benefit of that last year. They have to get up to speed. This is the time to make mistakes. Plenty of bad calls. And it's funny, you know, there was a uh, a completed pass on Thursday night by Mac Jones to a Patriots receiver. Oh, yeah. Bill Belichick, he's, uh, who cares? It's preseason. But yeah, you know what? In those situations, maybe you do need to throw the red flag because one of the 
little items of news that has gone largely overlooked. Al Riveron out as the VP of officiating, out as the person in charge of replay review. Still not sure who actually has final say. It's either Perry Fuel or Walt Anderson, but that is a new process. It's a new person involved. So they need to get full advantage of the 49 preseason games to get the officiating up to speed and get the replay system ready to go so as few mistakes as possible happen when the games begin on September 9th. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it really, like, really flew under the radar, I feel like, that news. Like, you know, I, I got a lot of friends who, you know, big-time football NFL fans, and they have no idea that that even happened. Uh, so it, it is, it's a huge shakeup to the whole industry, no doubt. What, had, what do you want to say? Let's do this. Now, uh, before yeah. you jump into your yeah. next pick, let's cool. go ahead and take a break, and we'll wrap up the draft on this Monday edition of PFT Live as we wrap up the show right after this. There's Justin Fields yesterday throwing out the first pitch for Chicago White Sox. White Sox last week in the Field of Dreams game against the Yankees. Awesome. There's Justin Didn't Fields like of result. Dreams. Awesome. Is that what Berman would call him? Justin Fields of Dreams? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 throw there, too. Like, didn't chicken out. Gave it a good throw. Oh, it was awesome. I'd like to think that a quarterback can make a decent first pitch at a baseball game. I'd like to think that of I've all the people choke. that you could put in that spot. Yeah, but... Uh, not Justin Fields, not not one day after he had his NFL debut. All right, let's get back to the draft. Things that matter from the preseason. Chris, round three, what well, do you got? You know, I, you kind of hit on it here, but it's just something I saw repeatedly throughout the weekend with football games. And it, it, and it not like the what's important in the preseason, getting your team ready to play. You know, you brought up the play about like Mac Jones through that completion, right? You know, yeah, if it was regular season, Bill Belichick would have challenged it. They would have got the first down. But Bill Belichick wanted third and five. He wanted his Mac Jones to have to do a third and five and them get used to the blitz pickup and those type of things. So, you know, fans, announcers alike, got to realize, too, there's a bigger picture here involved. It's not about wins and losses. Like we talked about whether it's saving players or, hey, it's fourth and one on the one-yard line. You know, okay, yeah, you could kick the field goal, but you, maybe the coach wants to work on, you know, getting one yard in a situation like that. So that's the most important thing, and I think people lose sight of that every now and then. All right, you know, we like to keep it real here. We've been very positive, uncharacteristically, for most of the show, but <laughs> l let's call it what it is. Money. That is what's important in the preseason. That's why they have three games instead of two. They were thinking about going down to two, but if we go to two, we only have 19 games. We still need to have 20 games. We'll go to two when we have 18 regular season games. They don't like the preseason. They don't like the quality of the play, but they like the money that it generates. Season tickets include the preseason games. It's a business. It's about making money. And for the NFL, even if you know the commissioner holds his nose from time to time about the quality of the play, Chris, they're playing those games for a reason no no doubt about it i mean like you said the hall of fame game got better viewers than the field of dreams game in major league baseball it's big money that's it for today we'll see you back here tomorrow thanks for some of your time see ya justin and so good thousands of summer deals at your nordstrom rack store save up to 60 percent on new arrivals from vince rag and bone adidas joe's mark jacobs and more Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. 
Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.